0: You're listening to The Bonfire Podcast, fanning the flames of the gospel to the ends of the world. Come on, let's dive into the Word. Well, Welcome to The Bonfire Podcast, everyone. We are glad that you are joining us for another episode. If this is your first time listening, I'd encourage you to come in and to listen a while. Uh, we are a Bible study, a Bible a conversation Bible discussion podcast where we dig into God's Word and we study uh, God's Word. We go through books of the Bible. We tackle tough questions. And so if uh, that's something that interests you, I would encourage you to stay and listen to what we have to say. And if you would, uh, subscribe. And we'd love for you to be a subscriber and get our content on a regular basis. If you do so, that'll download to your mobile device um, every Sunday when we release content at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. also encourage you to follow us on social media. We have a Facebook page, Bonfire Ministries Facebook page. Great place for you to go and find out more information about uh, things that we're doing there. And then lastly, I would encourage uh, you to send us an email. You know, Dad, we've been doing this uh, for over a year now, and it's been a while since we've heard or received an email from a listener. Now, we know we've got listeners all over the place. We can see those downloads occurring, uh, but we haven't got any uh, content Recently, um, other than uh, some of the people that we know locally, that of course you know they mention to us every once in a while, uh, they've enjoyed an episode. But I'd really love to hear from some of our listeners that maybe are not local to us. That's right, uh, from different areas of the country or the world. And so, I just encourage you to send us a note uh, via email. You can send us that note via email at bonfireministries at gmail.com. And uh, we're not going to use your information or sell your information or try to solicit anything from you. Uh, we just want to hear from you and kind of know who's out there. Uh, maybe you send us a note, tell us who you are, where you're where you're listening from. And uh, we'd love to be able to give you a shout out here uh, on one of our episodes to just to say hello and thank you for listening in. That's right. And right. so um, please do that if you get a chance. Again, just a, a quick email. Uh, it was all that will take. Well, on this episode, I am uh, excited here, Dad, because we are going to be completing uh, the fourth week of our study through the book of Jonah. And uh, this has been a a fantastic study, in my opinion. I've really enjoyed getting into uh, the scripture and the book of Jonah. It's one of those books that oftentimes gets overlooked. And uh, many times we uh, leave the story of Jonah and, and limit that to children's Bibles or children's stories and think that's the only application that it has. But that's clearly not the case. We've learned that's right. uh, over the last three weeks, and we're going to see today that this this story is—or this account, rather, is just full of biblical truths that um, would be worthwhile for anyone to, to, or to read through. So we hope you're enjoying this. And, you know, throughout the study, we've seen um, the ministry and the life of Jonah— Uh, who is a disobedient prophet of God, who rebelled against the will of God and was chastened uh, with a mighty storm on the sea to the point that the vessel that Jonah was on, it nearly sank. And thinking that there was no other option, Jonah had the mariners toss him into the violent sea. Uh, He was thinking that he would ultimately meet his demise there. Yet in an act of mercy, God sent a great fish to swallow Jonah. And inside the body of this great fish, Jonah hit rock bottom. (laughs) God got Jonah's attention and in the depths of the sea, in the belly of this uh, fish, Jonah called out to God and repented for his rebellion, and he even recommitted his life to serve uh, to the service God had called him to. Hearing uh, his servant, God instructed the fish to go and spit Jonah out on the dry land. And so uh, with great obedience, that fish did just that. The fish swam over to some dry land, and out came Jonah flying through the air, landing there. On the beach, once safe on the beach, God gave Jonah a second chance. He recommissioned him to do what he had told him to do the first time—to go to Nineveh and to preach. And you know, Dad, I was thinking if, if uh, chapter in chapter three we see Jonah. Respond, Uh, You know, he had his second chance, and so he did exactly what he was supposed to do. He went to Nineveh, and the result was nothing short of amazing. A revival broke out in Nineveh. That's right. The entire city was turned upside down. The Bible tells us that every inhabitant, even the king, repented of their evil ways and their wicked ways and uh, dedicated all their time to prayer with fasting. They cried out to the to God for mercy, mm-hmm. and when God saw their repentance, uh, he relented from the disaster that he had said he would bring upon them and gave them the mercy they so desperately needed. You know, Dad, if, if only the story ended there in chapter 3, we wow. would be looking at the world's greatest evangelist. Oh, yeah. You know, uh, think about it. Uh, we've got some great evangelists that have lived. Uh, of course, Billy Graham, D.L. Moody. Um, what's another great evangelist that comes to your mind? That from, Charles from days, Finney, you know, from years ago. Ch- yep, that, yeah. That's right. Charles, Bailey Smith in our time. Bailey Smith, uh, Charles Spurgeon, right? Right. Um, and so these are these are all just great uh, preachers, and but none of them have gone into a town and seen the entire town repent and and turn over and really seek God. And so Jonah's the only uh, preacher that we know that's ever done that, the only evangelist we've ever done that. And if the story stopped in chapter 3, that's how we would be looking at Jonah today. But Jonah's story didn't stop there in uh, in chapter three. Uh, There's more to the story. There's more that we need to look at. And that's where we're going to pick up this week as we dive into our study, looking at chapter four, the final chapter of the book of Jonah. So as we dig into this chapter, there's three main happenings that I want us to look at today. Um, We're going to look at Jonah's complaint. We're going to look at God's comfort and God's confrontation. And so those are the three things that we're going to look, out, look at today. If you got your Bible, I'd encourage you to go ahead and open it with us. Uh, turn over to the book of Jonah, chapter 4. And we're going to look first at just the first uh, few verses there. We'll go through verse 4 um, as we get into this study. So let's read that together. It says, But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he became angry. So he prayed to the Lord, and he said, Ah, Lord, was this not what I said when I was still in my country? Therefore I fled previously to Tarsus, for I know that you are a gracious and merciful God, slow to anger and abundant in uh, loving kindness, one who relents from doing harm. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. Then the Lord said, Is it right for you to be angry? It takes us there through verse 4. You know, Dan, I was thinking about this. What a strange reaction to revival. Right. I mean, this revival just broken out and you would think that uh, Jonah would be on cloud nine, Mm -hmm. that he he just got to see a massive move of God. And I could just imagine as being an evangelist, he would be jumping up and down and saying, look what God did. Look what God was able to do by using me. Uh But instead, it says in verse one that Jonah was displeased. Mm -hmm. And the word that was used there, uh, that displeased, it really means annoyed. Mm -hmm. So Jonah got annoyed at God. That's an interesting statement there. But not only did he get annoyed, in verse 1 it says that he became angry. and the Hebrew word that was used there, that word angry means to be boiling or burning. So Jonah burned with anger, wanting God to judge Nineveh. Instead of praising God for his mercy, Jonah issued a complaint in the form of a prayer.
1: Yeah, you know, this is the second time in the book of Jonah where we read that Jonah prayed. His first prayer was his best prayer in the worst possible place the fish's belly his second prayer was his worst prayer in the best place at Nineveh where god was working his first prayer came from a broken heart his second prayer came from an angry heart in his first prayer he asked god to save him in his second prayer he asked god to kill him and uh folks it's amazing that uh, jonah it responded this way to the revival. He was really, really unhappy. Unhappy. Now, when I think about Jonah, I think about the little boy that was sitting down who was asked by his mother to stand up. The little boy didn't want to do what his mother said, but because she was standing there, he had to do it. After he got up, he had the most awful frown on his face. His mother asked him why he had that frown on his face. And he said, "I'm standing up on the outside, but I'm sitting down on the inside." In other words, he obeyed, but deep inside, he didn't want to. And that's the way it was with Jonah.
0: That's, that's exactly right. What's amazing here is that uh, that Jonah goes into a prayer. and His prayer, as you said, it was it was complaining. It wasn't uh, the same prayer that he prayed the first time. The first prayer was great. This prayer is terrible, as he uh, complains to God and is bitter. And as as Jonah complains, we get a glimpse of why he rebelled in the first place. And I found this interesting. He rebelled because of God's character. Notice it says, you know, this is the reason why I went to Tarsus the first time. And it was because of God's character. Ironically, Jonah was angry because God had shown himself to be exactly who he was. A gracious, merciful, one willing to withhold judgment that he had promised. A God who is slow to anger and full of loving kindness. Now, I want you to notice the contrast that is provided between the character of God and Jonah, a prime example of fallen man. Again, let's do this one more time. God, the verses say he was gracious, he was merciful, Mm -hmm. slow to anger, abundant in loving kindness, and one who relents from doing harm. Meanwhile, the character that Jonah displayed, again, an example of fallen man, Jonah was annoyed, he was bitter. He was angry. He was hateful. You could even say he was envious and he was self-centered. You know, Dad, as I was thinking about this and I see this contrast between the character of God and the character of fallen man, um, I immediately thought about the, the New Testament version of this contrast. And if we flip over to Galatians, uh, we found that in Galatians chapter five, where there is, again, a contrast between the flesh and the character of God, or, or in this case, what we call the fruits of the spirit, right? Mm-hmm. And so I just want to read this to our listeners. So this is Galatians chapter five, verses 19, uh, going through verse uh, 23 here. It says, now the works of the flesh... "...are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentiousness, jealousy, outburst of wrath, selfish ambition, dissensions, heresies, envy, murder, drunkenness, rivalries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I've told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God." But look at verse 22. It says, But the fruit of the Spirit, and again, this is the Spirit that can come and dwell in us. This is the Spirit of God. This is God's character being shown through us, is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such, there is no law. And so I just find that amazing there, the contrast that is provided in the Old Testament where we see backed up in the New Testament mm-hmm. when we look at God versus fallen man.
1: That's exactly right. You know, uh, Matt, Jonah was a good theologian. He knew the attributes of God, and he was sure that if he announced the judgment of God and the Ninevites repented, that God would forgive them and not send judgment. And as a result, perhaps this is why he was even uh, really angry and his anger smoldered, because as a result of the people repenting, Jonah may have thought, well, perhaps I'll be branded as a false prophet because I said God was going to destroy you guys, and he didn't. Jonah was also concerned about his reputation, not only before the Ninevites, but primarily before the Jews back home. In addition, when Jonah's friends found out that he had been the means of saving Nineveh from God's wrath, his friends would perhaps have considered him a national traitor. Well, today, when reputation is more important than character, and pleasing others and our friends is more important than pleasing God, then we are in danger of becoming a Jonah. He had good theology, but it was in his head and not in his heart.
0: That's exactly right. And, you know, I'd encourage everyone to to turn your eyes to verse 3 there. It says, And therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me. Look at that statement. It is better for me to die than to live, and and I think that's where we see the self-centeredness come in, right? He says it's better for me, um, and you'll see that statement is getting used a little bit later in the verses that we're going to look at. We see this self-centeredness that's there, and I believe you're right, Dad. I think you know people say, well, why was why was uh, Jonah so self-centered? And I think you hit some of them right on the head. I think a lot of it was, you know, he's this prophet, and what good is a prophet who's wrong? Right. right. I mean, a prophet is supposed to be able to, to prophesy and those things come true. He just went and told them in 40 days, you guys are gone and God's not going to do it. So that's going to make him wrong from a prophet standpoint. The other thing is, he's, as he said, is he goes back to his home country. They're going to look at him and go, why did you go over there and help them out? Right. You know, these are the people that have been cruel to us and been mean to us and been hateful. And so he was worried about himself. And it was all self-centered, and his heart wasn't the heart of Christ because the heart of Christ is focused in on others, but his heart was focused in on himself and what was best for him, and that's why he uses that statement, what is better for me?
1: You know, and thinking about Jonah here, him getting angry and going out and sulking, so to speak, uh, outside the city, you know... Even though he told everybody that God was going to judge you and seeing these people have repented and got in sackcloth and ashes and, and, uh, even their animals. And, and if he would have just, uh, uh, relished in what God did and say, listen, I'm glad God forgave you and, and, and he's going to relent. I see what's happening. And so now I'm going to teach you about God, but he missed the opportunity to teach them about God. I remember I had a professor when I was in seminary that had been a missionary in Japan. And following World War II, you know, of course, the United States fought Japan, and there's a lot of animosity between, you know, the americans and the japanese for many years many 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 years i know my dad he was in world war ii and he was in the navy he fought the japanese and the battle of Okinawa, was out in the pacific and he wouldn't even buy a toyota he said i oh, would just fatten them up to kill a grandkids you know uh, there's this animosity there yep. and so uh, i guess because people had lost loved ones and friends and and, and fighting and at that time J- japan's not our enemy now sure. but fighting an enemy and so people uh, uh, would not go over and and respond perhaps they were afraid of the japanese how they would react to them because we did drop two bombs that wiped out two cities completely yeah. and so they were afraid to go over there jonah was afraid to go to nineveh as a missionary you know they were afraid to go to japan but the wind of opportunity was open you see the japanese had worshipped their emperor you know and emperor worship was dead yeah. you know and so if the if the Christians had sent missionaries and the missionaries would have went, they could have taught these people about Jesus. And now Japan is one of the most, if not the most secularized nation in the world. Certainly. And it did not have to be. My my professor went over there and he taught the people about Jesus. But his, he was a small minority. The window of opportunity was up but after a period of time, it shut. Uh, and so, you see, he had a period of time, Jonah did, to teach these people about the one and true God, to teach them further. You know, it's more than uh, people need to do more than repent. They need to learn and grow. Mm-hmm. And and Jonah missed that. That's exactly missed right. an opportunity.
0: And, and as you were talking there, you know, I was thinking to myself, I think a lot of people would be very quick to pick up a stone to throw at Jonah and say, look at him, you know, being so self-centered. And, and in his mindset. But if you think about it, I think and that example that you gave there is a prime example. How many of us really want everyone around us to come to know Christ? Uh, you know, are there certain races that you think are not worthy of salvation? Are there certain uh, nationalities that you, you, you don't feel like are worthy of salvation? Um, I think that there's uh, part of the evilness of flesh is the fact that we think that we are more deserving of God's salvation than maybe someone else. And I think that's what we're seeing here play through in, in Jonah is that, you know, he he felt like, well, you know, I, I'm a righteous person, but these are evil people. They're not worthy of your mercy and your grace. Mm-hmm. And I think it's very possible even for us uh, to get caught up in that trap sometime. But it, again, if you've got the heart of God, God's heart is for everyone to be saved, he he doesn't want anyone to perish, and that means that yeah. Do I want the Taliban to be saved? Yes, I do. Right. Do I want whoever China right now? China is probably one of our top enemies right now, based off of everything that's going in this world. Do I want people in China to be saved? I do. I want every one of them to be saved. Mm. And uh, do I want people that don't look like me to be saved? I sure do. Um, because I've asked God to give me His heart, I want to. I don't want to have. I want to have His eyes. I want to have His heart for my world. Because if I leave it in my flesh, then I'm going to be sitting kind of like uh, Jonah, and I'm going to want to exclude people from God's grace and God's mercy. And that's not the way it's uh, supposed to be.
1: That's right.
0: So we see um, here that uh, again, Jonah is is uh, he's self-centered and, and he says that he, he wants to die. So we, again, you you pointed out, dad is so strange. Uh, in Jonah's first prayer, he prayed that he would, he would be saved, that his life would be saved. And then now he's praying he's going to die. Yeah. And so we just see these two opposite ends of the spectrum. And, and couldn't you imagine? And, and again, this is where the, the, the character of God, God's gracious, merciful, long uh, suffering, slow to anger, abundant in loving kindness when he relents from doing harm. I'm so glad God's God, and I'm not, because at this point, I would have lit Jonah on fire mm-hmm. uh, for, for being the way that he is. But notice how uh, God responds to him. God responds with patience and kindness, and he just asked a question. He says in verse 4, then the Lord said, is it right for you to be angry? Mm-hmm. Think about it. I mean, if I had my finger on the button that could zap somebody, <laughs> I would have zapped him so quick. Uh, and Jonah. Yeah, I would have zapped Jonah. Um, but, but see, thank God I'm not God because God is gracious. He's merciful. He's slow to anger. He's abundant in loving kindness and he's one who relents.
1: You know, uh, Matt, I got to thinking about this. Um, what right do, do we have to question God? What right did Jonah have to question God? Over in Romans chapter 9, verses 14 and 15, you know, perhaps. It was the Jewish Christians were scratching their head thinking, you know, I don't understand this thing about God, including the Gentiles. And so, you know, Paul wrote, particularly in chapter 8 and 9 in Romans, you know, that it's not that I think that Paul was saying that only certain people is going to be saved. People can stretch this thing a mile long. I believe he was trying to write to these people, these uh, Jewish Christians, and say, look, who are we to argue with God with what he wants to do with the Gentiles? And uh, uh, Paul wrote in Romans 9, 14 and 15, For what shall we say then? Is there unrighteousness with God? Certainly not. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whomever I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whomever I We'll have compassion. And so, hey, God's the one in charge. He wants to have compassion on people. It's up to him. He's the creator. And this is some a, a lesson we need, and it's a lesson that Jonah certainly needed. And he got that lesson.
0: Mm, amen. So let's move on. Let's look at um, the next section of Scripture, and let's look at God's comfort. So look at verses 5 through 8 here. It says, So Jonah went out of the city and sat at the east side of the city. There he made himself a shelter and sat under it in the shade. Till he might see what would become of the city. And the Lord God prepared a plant and made it come up over Jonah, that it might be shade for his head to deliver him from his misery. So Jonah was grateful for the plant, but as the morning dawned the next day, God prepared a worm, and it was so damaged the plant that it would wither. And it happened that when the sun arose, that God prepared a vehement east wind, and the sun beat on Jonah's hand so that he grew faint. Then he wished for death for himself and said, it is better for me to die than to live. Again, that takes us through verse 8 there. Dad, what we see here is we see that God's sulking servant, he walked out of the revival. Mm -hmm. Now, just imagine this. God's moving in the city. And I don't know about you, whenever God's moving, that's where we need to be. Uh, Mm -hmm. We need to be in the midst of his presence and where he is. But Jonah decides to walk right out of the revival and he goes out and he sits on the side of the city um, and he went out there really to pout. And I Mm -hmm. think, you know, I've got a kid and obviously I'm your kid. Uh, mm-hmm. so all of us that have children uh, know what it means to pout you know they we've have those told poochy lips. that's that's right we've told our kids to, to do something or not to do something and then they've kind of stomped away over off to themselves crossed their arms and they don't want to talk to anybody because they're pouting and I really see this is what was happening with Jonah he was he was discouraged or disgruntled and displeased with the result it said he was angry at God and he just wanted to go over there cross his arms and just have himself a good pouting session mm-hmm. there to see what would was going to happen uh, to the city. Now, secretly, I believe he still was wishing and hoping that God would rain down destruction on the Ninevites. I'm yeah. sure he sat there on the side of the city and was just like, "Come on, just, just burn it down, burn it down." That's what he wanted.
1: As if his pouting was going to change anything. That's what children do with their pouting. They think it's going to change, Mommy. Yeah, Dad. They,
0: they do it to see if they can get their way, right? Right. And that's that's exactly what we see uh, here. Jonah doing is seeing if he can get his way. And despite this, I find it amazing that God, uh, remarkably, he he still deals with Jonah with um, a, a, a tenderness. And he, he does it in an effort to bring him back into a place of joy and fellowship. I find it interesting that, that God goes as far as even to comfort uh, Jonah, it says that God prepared a plant and this plant sprung up and grew up real large and leaves came over him and and, shedded, uh, and shaded him from the sun and, and blocked off the wind. And, you know, this is a, probably a desert area. And so I imagine there's sand blowing all over the place when that wind blows. And so this was a good shelter for him. And uh, the Bible says that when that happened, uh, Jonah was grateful. I find it interesting that Jonah's demeanor and his Uh, his happiness is always based on what's happening to him, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, And as as long as as things are going his way, he's happy. Uh, But when things are not going his way, then you see uh, his heart come out uh, and that self-centeredness come out. But the Bible also tells us that God removed his comfort and that when he did, the winds blew and the sun beat down on Jonah's head. And once again, he wished for his death. You know, Dad, I believe that God purposely did this to expose Jonah's self-centered heart. Now, obviously, God could see to his heart, but he wanted to expose it so that Jonah could see it. And ultimately, he was going to use that uh, to confront Jonah about his the condition that his heart's in and the coming verses that we're going to talk about.
1: You know, uh, uh, this kind of jumped out at me when you read those Scripture verses a while ago. I kept hearing the word prepared. Prepared, prepared. Yeah, and I, it it drew me back to uh, Jonah chapter one verse seventeen, where it says, "Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah." God is all knowing; He already knows ahead of time what's going to happen and what He's going to do. He is never caught, so to speak, with his pants down. You That's know, right. He's already He's always. Uh, ready, and he had already prepared that fish to swallow old rebellious Jonah, and he had already prepared the plant. Have you ever seen? A, a seed put in the ground and overnight that seed grow up to be so big that it would cover a man's head with shade. No, God yeah. had already made that sure that seed was planted in the ground for that plant. He knew that the day was coming when that plant was going to be used to to teach Jonah a lesson. He prepared the plant. And then after the uh, the plant died, because he prepared a worm to cut that plant, we call them cut worms yep. in the South. And then he prepared a vintment, uh, east wind to blow on Jonah. You see, uh, God's all-knowing, all knowledgeable. But I just wanted to point that out because he knew what was going to happen with Jonah, and he had already planned to teach him a lesson.
0: That's right. He was orchestrating the whole thing. And that's one of the, the lessons that we learned uh, maybe uh, last episode or, or one before. We talked about the sovereignty of God and how God is in control and that uh, that, that everything is, is kind of being moved around and put in place uh, based off of his will and his desire. And so we see that playing out here. He was he was putting the pieces in play that needed to be there in order to to really show Jonah. And I, and I think truly. Um, as I said, as I think he was doing it, he was doing, being it so uh, tender. He was being so um, again merciful to Jonah. After all, Jonah's done. I mean, I, again, I would have already zapped Jonah, but here God is. He's providing for him, and then he's trying to teach him something because God really wanted him to to come in and share in the joy and the fellowship of what's happening. I mean, can you imagine the revival that was going on just inside that city? That that should have been a time of of Jonah and God celebrating together and just having a, a great time at the the work the Lord had done. Um, But instead, he was out there pouting.
1: (laughs) Jonah is so much different from... Uh, evangelists and preachers today when we go preach a revival, I'm the one sulking after I've preached my heart out and I see no movement of God. Yeah. You know, yeah. And uh, But here Jonah saw a movement of God and he's sulking. You that's, know?
0: that's exactly right. So again, I think he purposely did this again, uh, God did, to expose um, the self-centeredness of, of Jonah's heart. And then we're going to see in the next verses where uh, God actually uses this experience to really confront Jonah um, about what his, uh, what is going on in his heart. And so let's look at these, these last verses in the book of Jonah here. Look at verse 9 through 11. We'll read that together. It says, Then God said to Jonah, Is it right for you to be angry about the plant? And he said, It is right for me to, to be angry even to death. But the Lord said, You had pity on a plant which you had not labored nor made it grow, which came up in a night and perished in a night. And should I not pity Nineveh, the great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons that cannot discern between their right hand and their left, and much livestock? And so, Dad, here in these uh, final verses, we see, again, God confronts Jonah. And he says, I just gave you an example. I just put this plant here, and I took the plant away. And and your heart, you, you had pity uh, on yourself and on this plant and he said, "How much more should I be concerned about? Uh, if you're going to be concerned about that plant, how much more should I be concerned about the lives that are inside this city?" So he confronts Jonah. What I find interesting, Dad, though, is we don't see Jonah's response. Uh, the 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 Bible and this particular book of the Bible ends open ended, and it ends with this question of uh, this conundrum here um, of. What is more important? And I think that's, uh, that's interesting the way that it ends. I think I was, as I was reading and study, I found that there was only one other book in the Bible. I think it may have been Amos that ends in this manner where it ends just with an open question and kind of leaves you hanging. Um, and so the, the point that I see here, Dad, is that this uh, question well, not only is for Jonah, but it's really for us as readers. And the, the critical question that I see here is, is it right to have more concern for temporal things than the things of eternal than the eternal destiny of human souls. Mm-hmm. That's the question that he yeah. asked. Right. He said, you're caring about this plant, something that doesn't even matter. Mm-hmm. And I'm caring about lives. I'm caring about the souls of the of people. No, which one's more important? And I think that's a great question that that all of our audience and you and I need to consider ourselves. You know, I think as Christians, so many times we get caught up in the things that are here and now, the things of this world, and we sometimes forget about the souls, the lives that are on the line, that are all around us, and uh, many times we put our attention on those temporal things, and we don't have our things, uh, our attention on those of eternity. For those who are listening and are not Christians, this question goes out to you as well, because how much time are you spending, and where are you putting your trust and faith? Is it all in the temporal things of this world, mm-hmm. in your bank account, and your retirement funds, and your ability, your strength, your health? Because all that's going to fade away. You need to be putting your attention in the things that are eternal. And the things that are eternal is your soul. Your soul is going to live on one day when your body dies. Mm -hmm. And the question is, where is your soul going to live? Is it going to live eternally with God in heaven? Or are you going to be cast into outer darkness and live separated from God for all eternity?
1: That's exactly right. You know, there's a lot of lessons to be learned from Jonah. God's persistence. You can't run from God. Jonah found that out. God's pardon. God forgave those who called upon him and repented. God's power. He saw a whole city humbled, uh, Jonah did, before the Lord, and God's pity. And, uh, of course, we find out where we realize that Jonah, as just you said, he realized he was pitying the wrong thing. If he pitied a, a plant, how much more should he have pitied those people, particularly the stress of the fact, 120,000 people that didn't know the right hand from the left. In other words, to pity, the boys and girls, the children yeah. that were, of, of I think that's what most people say, that that means yep. that there were 120,000 children, children pre, yeah. uh, uh, below preschool yep. that uh, didn't know the right hand from the left. And should he not have pitied them more than the plant? Exactly. There's a lot of lessons we've learned, Jonah, yeah. this week.
0: And if there's 120,000 that are small children like that, then think about how many more adolescents and adults that were there. We're talking about a large city, a, a large number of lives that are on the line here. And uh, Jonah, God's prophet's done, got trapped up in the things of this world, worried about his status, his his reputation. Uh, worrying about uh, what people have done to him and his people over the times instead of focusing in on doing the work of God and seeing that all people uh, will make it into uh, salvation with Jesus.
1: That's exactly right.
0: Well, Dad, uh, this brings our uh, episode here to a close, this whole study to a close here um, you know, it's been a, a great study, and I hope everyone has enjoyed it. Again, I hope that you've identified that Jonah is not just a story for the for children's church or for a children's Bible. There's deep spiritual, uh, spiritual truths here for everyone. And so I really hope that you've enjoyed as we've studied the depths of God's mercy through the life and the ministry of Jonah. And I, and I would encourage all of our listeners um, to uh, come back to us next week. We're working on a new series and um, I guess I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go ahead and release it, Dad. It may change, mm-hmm. um, but I feel like one, of the, if not the next, one of the next things we're gonna be doing is going through the book of Jude and uh, looking at, at that book. It's a very small book. It's the the book right before the book of Revelation. And uh, many times people want to just skip right over that book and go to Revelation. And, and although be it, uh, I think, just one single chapter, uh, there's a lot there uh, that that can speak to end times. And I think as as, as uh, much as that book was written for uh, the church um, there, um, the early church, there's a message there in the book of Jude uh, for us uh, here in, in our times as well, particularly about the rise of false teachers, the rise of uh, of heresy um, and uh, heretical doctrine doctrine in our churches and in our music, and so um, I'm excited about it. I think it's going to be a good series for us to dive in, and I hope all of you will tune in and listen to that Um, again. Hopefully we'll start that next week.
1: Absolutely, absolutely.
0: Well, Dad, will you pray us out of here?
1: Sure. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you. We thank you, God, for giving Matt and I the opportunity that you have afforded us uh, to reach out to the people in our podcast audience and lord we pray that you'd expand this audience we pray our father that those that are are learning from this podcast and that they in turn would would tell others about it and if they they uh heard about it and listened to it on facebook that they would share it because lord we need we need the help of your people god to get the message out god it's it's been a uh a vision of mine along with Matt's that perhaps even on the foreign mission field, uh, there's pastors that they don't have a library full of books like I've got. And Lord, uh, it's podcasts like this, that they learn about about you and the depths of your word. And I, I pray, God, it to be used that way. And I pray, God, that it would also be used to to bring sinners to repentance, to come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. So when we get to heaven, we can see our our brothers and sisters in Christ. God, we pray that you would just help us today. Thank you, Lord, for the lessons we learned from this prophet Jonah. And
0: we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Bonfire Podcast. We encourage you to subscribe wherever you stream your podcast content. Also, be sure to rate us on iTunes and Facebook so that others will know about the podcast. If you have a question that you'd like to see us address on an episode, feel free to email us at bonefireministries at gmail.com.